With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last month, the president went to San Diego to check out how his border wall was coming along. And uh, you'll see it's a combination of steel, concrete, and as one of the folks just said, it really is virtually impenetrable. He stood in front of stacks of metal poles and talked about the cement and rebar that made the slats for his wall impossible to cut through. He talked about the special heat-absorbing design that made the wall sizzling to the touch. Trump said the government had even hired mountain climbers to test the wall out. And uh, some of them were champions, and we gave them different prototypes of walls. And this was the one that was hardest to climb, and we've all seen the pictures of young people climbing... This week, we learned the president had other ideas for how to beef up security along the U.S.-Mexico border. He reportedly suggested building a moat along one side of the wall, filling it with snakes and alligators. He suggested opening fire on migrants, shooting them in the legs. At one point, he also mused about um, arming U.S. forces with bayonets. Nick Miroff reports on Homeland Security for the Washington Post. He thought that you could have a kind of a, lo- a human wall, like in, the, in you know, he could if he couldn't get a, a wall built in time, he would or deploy a human wall of soldiers or U.S. you know border patrol agents who would wield bayonets to keep the migrants back. Presidential aides didn't take many of these ideas very seriously. And these are the real people. These are the workers that put up the wall, by the way. All of these guys... But at the border last month, Nick says you could see how what started out as a presidential brainstorm was becoming reality. And that's partially because of someone else in the Trump administration, the acting director of Homeland Security, Kevin McAleenan. At the border, he was standing right behind the president the whole time. So he's one of the most enigmatic and complicated figures I've encountered covering this. McAleenan stayed mostly silent as the president showed off his high-tech border, which is strange because this wall is as much his as it is the president's. He is both an enabling force and that he's made the Trump administration's immigration policies more effective. But he's also a moderating force in that he has taken the harder edge off a lot of these things and stood in the way of the administration doing things that he couldn't abide or that would potentially be even even more controversial, you know. Today on the show, after this visit to the border, acting DHS Secretary Kevin McAleenan broke his silence. In the middle of partisan warfare in Washington, He told Nick Miroff he's trying to stake out middle ground. But is that even possible anymore? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. 
When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Kevin McAleenan has only been on the job for a few months. He took over as the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security this spring. That's when Kirsten Nielsen was forced out. He inherited what was then a full-on crisis at the border. Nick Miroff says he wanted to talk to McAleenan because he seemed different than the other members of Trump's cabinet. Organized. Sincere. And he was an insider. He'd worked in both Democrat and Republican administrations. He doesn't talk like the president's other immigration enforcement officials. He avoids using, um, you know, more politicized language. He doesn't say illegal aliens. He refers to migrants as as vulnerable families who, you know, who are being kind of, you know, victimized by by smuggling organizations. He doesn't unlike other officials in the administration, play up the criminality of migrants um, or depict them as a, as, a, as a, you know, major national security threat. So while he's been very effective at implementing many of the president's policies and has played this central role in kind of bringing the, the crisis at the, at the border under control, he still kind of stands apart from others in the administration because he's a career official who tries to you know, still cling to this idea that you can be a, a neutral law enforcement professional in the middle of this administration that that has politicized immigration enforcement almost, you know, to a degree we've never seen before. Yeah. I mean, you found that he was a really complicated guy, like he demurred when you asked about his political standing right now. But he did donate to President Obama and he was part of that administration. He had President Obama as a professor in law school at the University of Chicago before, you know, he joined the federal government. And so so this is a guy who, when he was brought in to, as acting secretary, even before that at CBP, you know, hardliners were telling the president this, you know, you can't really trust this guy. He's a Democrat. He's an Obama guy. And the president has, has even teased him about that. When Kevin McAleenan spoke to Nick, he was remarkably frank. He talked about being increasingly isolated in the Trump administration, of feeling like he doesn't have firm control over the messaging in his own department. But Nick says the funny thing is that McAleenan also seems like one of the president's most effective cabinet members. The irony of it is that he has delivered on the one thing that has mattered most to the president, which is to drive down the border number. So, you know, CBP and the Border Patrol were, in fact, overwhelmed by this huge influx of Central American families who needed much more care. And, you know, and these agents were, were basically had an infrastructure that had been designed for, you know, single adult males from Mexico who could be quickly processed and deported. But now, you know, they're facing all of these families who are coming and turning themselves in who need much more care, who have much more complicated, you know, legal claims. And the system is basically on the verge of collapse. And since then, the, uh, the situation has really turned around. And the White House 
um, you know, is is you know, crediting McAleen in a lot of ways and th- saying that it, you know he's done a great job and DHS has never been better run. But he very much remains this kind of outsider who doesn't talk like everybody else in the administration and is clearly frustrated with the way that he's been unable to really control the kind of messaging on on immigration enforcement. And and it's also important to point out that after you know he's been in this acting role for six months without a nomination, no president has ever left um, the you know the head of DHS in an in an acting role for this long. Um, you know that's a that's always been a priority for for different administrations is to have a Senate confirmed um, secretary at the head of DHS in, a, in you know in order to really reassure Americans that you know that this crucial security agency protecting the United States from you know attack and so forth is you know is run by someone who's you know who's this very clear authority figure. McAleenan has been an authority figure in Washington for years. Before taking over the Department of Homeland Security, he ran Customs and Border Patrol. While doing that job, he pushed for the Trump administration's controversial family separation policy last year. So here's a guy who, who played a, a, a crucial role in the, in the zero tolerance family separations that we'll all recall from, from last year. Uh, Elijah Cummings, during a, 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 an oversight hearing or, you know, earlier this year, called McAleenan a key architect of family separations. I guess you feel like you're doing a great job, right? Is we're, that what you're saying? We're doing our level best in a very What does that mean? What does that mean when a child is sitting in their own feces, can't take a shower? Come on, man. What's that about? None of us would have our children in that position. They are human beings. And it wasn't just that. I remember that Elijah Cummings testimony because he was so emotional and he really lit into McAleenan. And he said, these are babies. These are babies in diapers who you're separating. We are the greatest country in the world. We are the ones that can, can go anywhere in the world and save people. Make sure that they have diapers. Make sure that they and have it was brushes. a stunning moment. Right. But the, to me, the irony is that McLean is the one figure in the administration who has been the most publicly repentant and remorseful about his role in the whole affair and who has gone far, far, you know, way farther than anyone else in the Trump administration in acknowledging that this was a mistake. And, you know, when he took that acting secretary job, he basically, he's told the White House that he would resign if he was asked to implement another family separation policy. So he was, so here's this guy that plays a, a central role in, 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 in implementing the policy, but then regrets it deeply and and doesn't want to do it again and remains in some ways kind of haunted by it. It's interesting. I was talking to someone in, about this story and talking about how with the acting DHS secretary, McAleenan, when I talk about him, there's a lot of on the one hand and on the other hand <laughs> because he's done things that seem contradictory, especially in this administration. So he's, yes, implementing Trump policies that advocates see as really onerous. But then at the same time, you wrote about how he stepped in and steered the administration away from controversial raids on families earlier this year. Do you want to tell that story? 
Soon after he's in the acting secretary role, there's a, a new ICE director. At that point, that was Mark Morgan, who comes in, um, and and this is right after that purge at DHS, and the the White House was really pushing for ICE to care to go forward with what was called the family operation, and that was a long planned mass roundup of Central American families that had come across the border, filed for some kind of, you know, uh, asylum or other other form of protection, and not appeared for their court dates. So these were about 2,500 families that hadn't appeared for their hearings and were now eligible for deportation. And, And the Trump administration very much wanted to go out and round them up. And McLean at the time was uh, was managing this this crisis at the border and and going up to the hill and pleading with Democrats for emergency supplemental funding to improve the kind of conditions for children and families that were languishing in these border stations. And he was saying, "Look, you know, this is a you know humanitarian need. We've had children die in custody. We can't let it happen again." And he told me that he was devastated after the deaths of Jacqueline Call McKean and Felipe Alonso Gomez, the two Guatemalan children who died in December. He called those deaths a, a lightning bolt, and that really solidified the urgency of, of going to Democrats and trying to get this money and to try to overhaul the whole system along the border for detention and processing that he, you know, rightly points out is completely inadequate to, for dealing with children and families. And so at the same time he was trying to do that, you know, the White House is pushing to go stage this mass roundup of families that was potentially going to separate parents from, from children again and inflame the Democrats. And so he went to bat against this family operation and um, and was nearly was and and managed to convince the president to hold off, but he was nearly fired over it. And as we all know what happens next, the 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 vote, um, the you know the the four point six billion dollar supplemental bill passes and ends up actually dividing the Democrats, turning you know the Progressive Caucus, for example, against Nancy Pelosi. Um, but that money ends up making a significant difference in improving conditions at the border. Um, and despite all that, McLean was very much, you know, blamed for by hardliners for for kind of attempting to undercut this um, this thing that they thought was going to have a big deterrent impact. Um, and eventually, you know, has gone forward, but not in the kind of noisy and spectacular way that I think um, some in the White House wanted it to go off. I wonder if you look at that incident and you see it as kind of his original sin, like has he ever really recovered from it with the White House? Uh, I, I think he's recovered with the White House, but not with the hardliners um, who uh, orbit the president who've continued to uh, agitate for his removal and, and have you know continued to encourage um, Trump to put someone um, you know, quote unquote, tougher in that role, who will talk like the president and be a more, um, you know, forceful messenger, particularly on television. McLean doesn't especially like to go on television. And when you see him, he still speaks in a very kind of, you know, um, formal and, and neutral way that doesn't sound like, for example, Ken Cuccinelli, um, and certainly not like the president. And so, um, you know, as the president moves into re-election and campaign mode, I think there's this this pressure to have somebody in the top DHS role who's going to be out there, um, you know, delivering, you know, the kind of hard-hitting uh, rhetoric that you see from a figure like uh, former ICE director Tom Homan, um, who we've seen in, you know, in recent months 
you know, really ha- have these intense clashes with Democrats and in, 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 in hearings on the Hill, you know, somebody like that who's going to be a real immigration firebrand. And McLean just isn't that guy. He's, uh, you know, again, trying to sort of walk this very lonely, um, neutral path in navigating, you know, immigration politics in the Trump era. Well, you, you've said a couple of times that McAleenan has been successful and that President Trump acknowledges it and other people acknowledge it. I'm wondering what you mean by that. You know, he would say that um, some of the harsher and, and measures that you, you know, you describe as more onerous um, are justified in the face of this huge, uncontrolled influx of of people coming across the border this year but you know i will also point out that you know his his success at at driving down these numbers has come you know for immigrant advocates and and attorneys and rights groups you know a lot of them are point to the policies that have that have achieved those you know that that decline uh, you know, as really, uh, you know, abuses or policies that are that are inconsistent with, you know, U.S. humanitarian uh, programs and, and, and law. Some of these more extreme things that have been done, he defends as being necessary to um, to get the, the situation under control to prevent things from from turning worse. And what he sees as um, you know, something as a as a phenomenon that is very much driven by criminal organizations and smugglers who are who are preying on on migrant families and who are taking advantage of them and who are putting children at at grave risk and um, and are you know and are doing things that are just not acceptable. I mean, he's a cop. He's a career law enforcement official. And when you see um, you know a, a situation like this that there's you know law breaking on a mass scale i think that your natural response is to try to you know just to try to bring it under control and and so some of the things that he's advocated very much reflect that i wonder i read your reporting and i just wondered why do you think macalinan spoke to you because he was pretty honest he talked about how he'd lost control over the tone and message of his department. And that's a pretty big admission. It made me wonder why he was speaking to you at all. Do you think there's a chance that he kind of sees the writing on the wall? Like I've been here a long time and I still haven't been, you know, up in front of Congress getting getting formally approved. And maybe I need to make sure my reputation looks a little better before I get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that, like, if you look at the things he's done over the last couple of weeks, he gave this major counterterrorism speech at, uh, that was sponsored by Brookings and Heritage in this kind of conspicuous showing of bipartisanship. And he went far, way, you know, way farther than anyone in the administration in naming white nationalism uh, and domestic terror as a major emerging national security threat. That was sort of a surprise. Um, and then, at, you know, at the same time last month, he also conspicuously reversed this attempt by Cuccinelli at the at US Citizenship and Immigration Services to be able to to deport migrants who had this thing called medical deferred action which was basically like if you have some kind of medical condition that would potentially endanger your life if you were deported then then you were allowed to stay the Cuccinelli wanted to end that program and McAleenan kind of came in and, and reversed that. And so it was this example of the someone in the Trump administration actually doing something to favor, um, you know, immigrants who are living in the country illegally. That was also, no, you know, 
um, noticeable. And so I see him doing these things that are kind of more and more consistent with his values and his, uh, you know, again, kind of more more centrist view of 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 immigration enforcement. And and yeah, it has me wondering, you know, what what what's next for him? And I think you know we could easily see where the president again would want to move into you know into more of a campaign mode where you have somebody in the DHS uh, top role who would be you know out there more forcefully and aggressively advocating for for his um, you know kind of more hardline positions. Hmm, that's really interesting. Especially I, I'd seen the white nationalism thing at the same time that your article had had come out, and it really did seem to me like. This guy stepping out and saying, like, I'm going to do this now. <laughs> I, have, I have this authority. And so I'm going to move forward and, and just like, let's see what happens. Yeah. In some ways, it's a test. Like how much how, how independent can a can a cabinet official can, a, you know, a, a major, um, you know, agency head in the Trump era, how independent can they be? of the White House and the president and, and and set their own path. And I think he's kind of testing that right now. How long do you think he can get away with us? You know, the Trump administration has tried all these other figures and, and he's the one who's who's been able to deliver. So the president right now, um, you know, looks to the border as a as a bright spot in his in his administration. He can once more run on his border record. Um, he can actually go out there and say, I, I, I faced this crisis and I got it under control and the Democrats didn't help me. And I, you know, I did this and, and McAleenan is the guy that, that really, you know, helped make that happen. So I don't know, does that, I don't know how much latitude that buys him to continue doing this, but uh, certainly some. Nick Miroff, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, anytime. Nick Miroff covers the Department of Homeland Security for The Washington Post. All right, that is the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Mara Silvers, and Danielle Hewitt. And I'm Mary Harris. I will catch you on Monday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.